0: Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag.
1: How many times have we done or said what was right, but in the wrong way? We say the right thing, but in the wrong way. We do the right thing, but it's with the wrong heart. This is textbook when it comes to the Zofars of this world. And here's the thing. At the core, and this is textbook, at the core, you'll always find spiritual pride. And that's the worst kind of pride, spiritual pride.
0: You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Barak of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Job. We must be certain that the things which we do and say are done so with a heart of love. Pastor J.D. reminds us today that it's possible to speak a truth with the wrong heart. It's when this happens that people often get hurt. To be more like Christ, we must learn to differentiate between speaking prideful and loving truths. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Job chapters 19 and 20 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth.
1: In the Old Testament, everything pointed to and was fulfilled by the person of Jesus Christ. You go into the book of Exodus... And the Passover, when the Israelites, with that 10th plague, they would take that that lamb and inspect it for four days, exactly the amount of time that Jesus was on trial and found to be without blemish, spotless, without sin. And then they take the blood of that lamb, they slit the throat at the exact time, the 14th of Aviv on the ninth hour, the exact time, That Jesus was crucified. And they take that blood and they put it on the doorpost in the shape of a cross. And the angel of death passes over. And here's the disciples in the upper room. Luke 22. The night that he's going to be arrested. And what are they doing? They're celebrating the Passover. The Passover. (laughs) And here's the disciples celebrating the Passover with the fulfillment of the Passover. Passover. They're celebrating the Passover, and Jesus is the fulfillment of the Passover prophecy. Everything pointed to him, and he's about to go to the cross and ultimately fulfill the prophecies. Prophecies, plural. Some have counted over 300 of them in the Old Testament. These prophecies about his first coming. And just the statistical odds mathematically of one man fulfilling just even eight of over 300 prophecies were just incalculable. One likened it this way. I think the, the scientist, brilliant man, uh, Peter Stoner, I think was his name. He actually tried to bring it into... Understandable terms. And he said it would be like taking and covering the entire state of Texas with, uh, silver dollars. And I forget how high the entire state and, and how deep, how de- the entire state with these silver dollars, the entire state of Texas, Texas is big, a lot bigger than Oahu. Okay. <laughs> and then take one man and say so you can pick one Of those silver dollars, of all of those silver dollars stacked how deep covering the entire state of Texas. And the odds of you picking that one, one chance are the same odds of Jesus fulfilling only eight, only eight of over 300 prophecies. Wow. FB Meyer. Beyond the heavens, Job thought there lived a kinsman who saw all his sufferings and pitied and would one day appear on the earth to vindicate his innocence and avenge his wrongs. He was content to leave the case with him. Sure, he would not fail as his friends had done. And he's going to even allude to this here later on as well. Charles Spurgeon, he has some interesting insight into this. He says, remember too, that it was always considered to be the duty of the goel, not merely to redeem by price, but were that failed to redeem by power. Now I think when we were back in the book of Numbers, we really did an in-depth study of the goel. There are two redemptions, Spurgeon says. Redemption by price and redemption by power. And both of these Christ hath wrought for us. By price, by his sacrifice upon the cross of Calvary. And by power, by his divine spirit coming into our heart and renewing our soul. Jesus is our Goel, our Redeemer. Adam Clark. Interesting observation. He suggests, and I, I was kind of reading backwards and then reading forwards and I see it. Listen to what he suggests. He suggests that this declaration at this juncture here in chapter 19, my redeem, I know my redeemer lives that it changed Job at this point. It's a turning point. And it's evidenced by what we read about Job in the rest of the book. Listen to what he says. It is not at all probable that Job had this confidence any time before the moment in which he uttered it. It was then a direct revelation... Nothing of which he had ever had before, else he had never dropped those words of impatience and irritation, which we find in several of his speeches, heretofore. In other words, we're going to see a change. And it's going to be evidence in what we read Job saying in response to his friends. In other words, now that he's acknowledged that he knows that his Redeemer lives, uh, kind of changes the, the complexion of what he has to say. Adam Clark continues, and this may be safely inferred from the consideration that after this time, no such words escape his lips. We're not going to read any more of what we had read prior coming from the lips of Job. He bears the rest of his sufferings with great patience and fortitude, and seems to look forward with steady hope to that day in which all tears shall be wiped away from all faces. And it is fully proved that the judge of all the earth has done right. And that's how it's going to be. And that's how it's going to end. And we're we, we caught a glimpse of it prior, but now it's like Job turns a corner. What changed? Oh, now he knows that his Redeemer lives. And in the end, God's going to make it right. He's just, and God's going to make it right, and God's going to have the final word. Okay, one more chapter, and then we'll <laughs> we'll call it good. It won't be nearly as long as chapter 19. Chapter 20. Verse 1, then Zophar, the Neamite, remember him? Answered and said, therefore my anxious thoughts make me answer because of the turmoil within me. In other words, what he's saying to Job is, after what Job just got done saying? He said, you know, this is very disturbing. I have to speak up. No, you don't. No, I do. <laughs> and he does. And that's what chapter 20 is. Verse 3, I have heard the rebuke that reproaches me. You think? And the spirit of my understanding causes me to answer. Do you not know this of old, since man was placed on the earth, that the triumphing of the wicked is short, and the joy of the hypocrite is but for a moment? Though, verse 6, his haughtiness mounts up to the heavens, and his head reaches to the cloud. You know what he's talking about here, right? Job. What do you mean? Oh, he's he has... Again, said of Job, you're, you're, you're full of yourself. You're, you're full of pride. You're, you're arrogant. You're, you're haughty. He's going to repeat it again, calling Job a hypocrite. And he's taking it even further here in chapter 20 and saying to Job, Job, here's, here's the thing. Uh, you're, you're a wicked man and God's going to punish you. And that's why God is punishing you. And he says, verse 5, that the triumphing of the wicked is short. Job, you're you're wicked, and your life is going to be cut off, your life is going to be shortened. And the joy of the hypocrite is but for a moment. In other words, hypocrites like you, Job, yeah, you might, you know, enjoy, but it's going to be very short-lived. Verse 6, though his haughtiness mounts up to the heavens, and His head reaches to the clouds, you're full of yourself, you're you're puffed up. Yet he will perish forever, verse 7, like his own refuse. (laughs) Okay, that's too much information right there. Those who have seen him will say, where is he? He will fly away like a dream and not be found. Yes, he will be chased away like a vision of the night. The eye that saw him will see him no more nor will his place behold him anymore. His children will seek the favor of the poor, and his hands will restore his wealth. His bones are full of his youthful vigor, but it will lie down with him in the dust. Though, verse 12, evil is sweet in his mouth, and he hides it under his tongue, though he spares it and does not forsake it, but still keeps it in his mouth, yet his food in his stomach turns sour. It becomes cobra venom within him. He swallows down riches and vomits them up again. God casts them out of his belly. You'll forgive me, but here's basically what this miserable comforter, <laughs> this so-called friend is is telling Job. He said, you can only hide for so long. And, and this mention of, you know, swallowing down your riches... And, and it's going to be vomited back up again. God's going to cast out of the belly. This is graphic, I know, but you'll you'll kind of get the picture of just how, I mean, vile this is. What he's basically telling Job is, you're trying to hide, but it's going to come out. There was a, a record of, and I want to say it was one of the last destructions of Jerusalem, where uh, they would swallow the gold to hide it. And they, uh, the enemy learned of it, and they they just cut them open to get the gold out. That's kind of a thought here. You can try to hide your sin, but man, it's going to get cut out and come out again. It, it, it kind of carries with it that idea of what what's done in secret will be shouted from the rooftops. In other words, you're, you you have secret sin, Job. We already we already know that. Okay, and, and you think you can only hide it. you can hide it, but he can only hide it for so long. Verse 16, when he says, "He will suck the poison out of co- uh, the poison of cobras, the viper's tongue will slay him. He will not see the streams, the rivers flowing with honey and cream. He will restore that for which he labored and will not swallow it down. From the proceeds of business, he will get no enjoyment. For he has oppressed and forsaken the poor. He has violently seized a house which he did not build. Can you imagine what he is actually accusing Job of? He He's accusing Job of oppressing the poor. Nah, that doesn't fit. Job was a righteous man, I believe, and he was a very wealthy man. I gotta believe that job was very benevolent to the poor. This is such a an insidious and false accusation he, He's violently seized a house which he did not build he that's uh, a hostile takeover of of a property uh, that's greed verse twenty because he knows no quietness in his heart. he will not save anything. He desires nothing is left for him to eat. Therefore, his well-being will not last. In other words, you cannot satiate this, this, this greed, this evil, this wickedness. In verse 22, in his self-sufficiency, he will be in distress. Every hand of misery will come against him. When he is about to fill his stomach, God will cast on him the fury of his wrath and will rain it on him while he is eating. He's pronouncing this on Job. He will flee from the iron weapon. A bronze bow will pierce him through. It is drawn, verse 25, and comes out of the body. You almost get the impression that uh, this guy is deriving great satisfaction in his eloquent dissertation about the wrath coming from God upon Job. It's almost like, I can't wait until God judges you, Job. I can't wait to see when he pours out his wrath on you, Job. It is drawn, comes out of the body. Yes, the glittering point comes out of his gal. Terrors come upon him. Total darkness is reserved for his treasures. An unfanned fire will consume him. It shall go ill with him who is left in his tent. The heavens will reveal his iniquity and the earth will rise up against him. The increase of his house will depart and his goods will flow away in the day of his wrath. This is the portion from God for a wicked man, the heritage appointed to him. By God. You know what makes this really difficult? Is that he's actually, in a way, speaking truth. I'll explain what I mean by that. This is true in the sense that God ultimately is a just judge, and the wicked will receive this wrath and this judgment from God. But, there's a problem. The problem is, he might be saying the right thing, but it's at the wrong time, with the wrong spirit, and if this weren't bad enough, it's to the wrong man. I mean, he's so convinced in his own mind that he's theologically correct, he's doctrinally right, and it could be argued that he is. When I was preparing to teach this tonight, what really stood out to me is that Zofar actually knows what he's talking about. I mean, everything that he so eloquently <laughs> said here about the wrath of God, as graphic as the imagery is, he's speaking the truth in as much as It relates to the just judgment of God in the end. That's true. That part of it is right. But it's the right thing in the wrong way. And before we come down too hard on him, I think all of us, and I'll include myself, would do well to consider how prone we are to do this in someone else's life. How many times, and I'll speak for myself, how many times have I in my piety, in my spirituality, pontificated, passed my judgment concerning the case, ever so eloquently as Zophar, well, you know, (laughs) only to be right I'm right but I couldn't be more wrong my heart's not right surely the way that I'm doing it is not right how many times have we done or said what was right but in the wrong way we say the right thing but in the wrong way we do the right thing but it's with the wrong Heart. This is textbook when it comes to the zofars of this world. And here's the thing. At the core, and this is textbook, at the core, you'll always find spiritual pride. And that's the worst kind of pride, spiritual pride. It's the pride that says, I'm better than you. I'm superior to you. I'm more godly than you. I'm more righteous than you. I'm right, not you. I mean, you can just keep going on and on. Oswald Chambers, in his commentary in the book of Job, titled Baffled to Fight Better, wrote this. He said, Zophar speaks with dignity. Okay, but dignity is not an indication of discernment. Zophar has listened to Job's words, but not the spirit of them. Oh, my goodness, that, that searches me. How many times do I listen to what somebody's saying, but I have no discernment as to what's behind it, the, the spirit of it, the the heart in it. G. K. M. Morgan, and we'll end here, had this to say. These closing words were in the nature of a summary of all he had been saying. The sufferings he had described were such as fell to the wicked and that by divine appointment. All that was true. You would be hard-pressed to argue to the contrary. You're right, Zafar. Can't argue. You're right. It's true. But (laughs) other things were true of which he seemed to have no knowledge. The narrowness of Zophar's philosophy made him unjust to Job. In other words, you know, you can have knowledge, but knowledge puffs up. You can know the truth. And you can even speak the truth but you can be so wrong in so doing. I mean, I guess it goes back to what we just talked about in First Corinthians 13. You can, you can have the, the knowledge, the truth, the dignity, as Chambers says, of a Zophar, but if you have not love... You couldn't be more wrong. And it, it discounts and even dismisses everything. You have just been discredited. You have become unjust <laughs> in your self-righteousness, in your piety, in your knowledge, in your rightness. You have become so wrong. Because the wrong way has completely negated the rightness with which you spoke.
0: We're so glad you tuned in to Pastor J.D.'s teaching in the book of Job. There's much more to learn, but sadly, that's all the time we have for on today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. In the meantime, you can find more messages from Pastor J.D. by visiting our website at inspiritandtruthradio.com. Subscribe to our podcast while you're there and receive new messages as soon as they're made available. Did you know you can take in Spirit and Truth on the go by downloading our mobile app? In our fast-paced world, it's easy to let the time we'd spend in the Bible slip into the back of the line of things to get done in a day. When you download our mobile app, however, you'll have verse-by-verse studies in the Bible available right at your fingertips, ready to listen to whenever and wherever you go. You'll find a link to the app at inspiritandtruthradio.com. Keep up to date with the MIDI's Prophecy Updates with our mobile app as well. Each Friday and Saturday, Pastor J.D. shares current world events and how they relate to the end-time prophecies found in the Bible. The information provided is intended to stir in us an urgency to share the good news of Jesus before he returns to judge the world. There's so much to learn each week, and Pastor J.D. does a great job of getting us the information we need. Find out more on our YouTube channel at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Thanks for joining us today, and be sure to tune in next time to keep studying through Job on In Spirit and Truth.
2: right with you with holding me true to